We've had um, Stephen and Claire staying with us, Stephen and Claire Backhouse. And um, for those of you who've been, been involved in anything over the weekend, so they went to the Bates Connect group on Friday night, and I know a number of you in that Connect group and had a great time hanging out uh, with Stephen there. And then um, yesterday we... Um, we had this day sort of looking at a few aspects of the Holy Spirit and the work the Holy Spirit does here. And um, we looked at anointing, we looked at worship, we looked at healing. And um, Stephen spoke about anointing in the morning. And I, I just want to bring you up to speed because I think it's great we journey together as a church with this. So whether you were there or not, it's good to know what happened. And um, I'd say one of the most powerful things that came out yesterday morning, certainly for me, about anointing, this concept of anointing, is fundamentally it's about a person or a group of people saying yes to God. And the more we are surrounded by people who are saying yes to God, the more a kind of anointing seems to flow in the place and, and through the people. And, and, and so I would just say thank you for saying yes to God by being here this morning. You're saying yes to God in a big way or a small way, unless you've really been dragged through the doors, but I hope you're beginning to say yes to God. And let's keep doing it. The, 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 the next thing we, we talked about, worship, and, and Stephen brought uh, this lovely couple, uh, Luke and Claire, another Claire, um, from his church who lead worship there. And they shared for the first time, they hadn't shared this in a big public gathering before, they shared the story of, of losing their um, child. Um, uh, she'd gone to full term in her pregnancy and then lost the child just a few days before delivery. This was 18 months ago. And she shared the story, both of them, just with incredible grace. And it was just amazing. And, 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 and the powerful thing I think we all saw in there was how they declare God's goodness right from the start of that journey in the hospital, looking at their, their daughter who had, had died and just declare, God, you are good, and I'm not going to let myself get bitter in the face of this. And, and what faith, what, Luke, the father was in recruitment at that time, and, and, um, and now he's the worship pastor 18 months later in, in this church, because he got on his knees, and he declared the goodness of God, and in his room, on his own, the two of them just kept declaring the goodness of God, even though through such loss. And you know, another interesting thing that happened uh, through the morning and the day was, this is the first time she said it, Claire um, is now, she's now eight months pregnant with her next child. And um, she noticed suddenly through the morning, it dropped into her mind, the baby hasn't kicked or done anything this morning. And suddenly this sort of fear entered her oh my gosh, you know, I've just shared my testimony and now what's happening? And, um, and so we went into the side room and, and a few people, she was praying on her own and then people joined her to pray for her. And Claire, Claire went through and, and they were thinking of returning back to Chichester to the hospital to get a scan because they're feeling really, really fearful of what, what's happened. And, um, and, and, and this Claire here just said, let's just take a moment, let's just ask the Holy Spirit what, what, what he wants us to do. And then the baby began to kick. And then the baby began to kick lots. <laughs> and, and it was quite clear. You know, even then there was a little bit of nervous. Do we go back? And then no. And, and it was just clear to stay. And I, I just think that was a beautiful picture, not only of, of how, we, how, we, how we give 
give out and, you know, that God uses our giving out, but also how the enemy works. And it's great to expose how he works. And how does he work? He drops one little thought in our head. Ooh, I haven't heard the baby kick this morning. Ooh, and sets a little bit of fear off. And if we grab that thought and own it too much, it sets off this chain of fear. And it can be broken then, the power of the Spirit again. So just watch that, because that's the way he works. And then we talked about healing was the last talk of the morning, uh, of the afternoon. And, and this guy, Ollie, got up and just spoke beautifully about his healing journey from uh, having an operation at 17, which went wrong. He had nerve damage. He was then in a wheelchair uh, for years and years. And, um, and, and his slow process of healing that's taken on in him, he still has, uh, he still has pain but he is able to walk and, and do many things now. And, and just, the, again, the great, and he loves praying for healing, but he was really honest too. He said, when I pray for healing and someone's healed, I then have to go away and kind of deal with my resentment with the Lord because I still haven't fully been healed. But he sees lots of healing through his ministry. Amazing. Anyways, enough of that. Um, <laughs> uh, well, not enough of that, actually, but you know what I mean. Um, enough of me. Um, it, I'm just, Stephen, for those of you who don't know Stephen, he, um, he's a lecturer in theology at St. Melitus for, for 10 years, and then thought, I want to get the theology going on in here into the local church. And um, he's got a doctorate in Soren Kierkegaard, wonderful things, political theology, and marvelous things. There's not time to tell you. Stephen, over to you. <laughs> um, yeah, thank you. I, just to, I'm just going to say right from the start, I'm not actually the one who's going to be doing most of the talking this morning. It's going to be my wife, Claire. But I, I, I like you guys, and I wanted to say hello, so I jumped up. Um, uh, earlier, uh, at the very first service, I said something similar, so if you've heard this before, forgive me. But So my thing is called tent theology. So what I did was I worked for St. Melitus College for 10 years in a lovely place, really good things happening there. It has a good connection to this church. But one of the things that I thought was, I actually don't want to teach theology to vicars in a university. I want to find ways to bring lively theology into back to the local churches. And for me, that meant quitting my job and doing what I do, which is traveling around. And we call it tent theology. And one of the, my visions was, I want to have like show that you can have a lively sense of the Holy Spirit, you can love Jesus, you can love the Bible, and you can be kind of intellectually serious and intelligent about things as well, and you can combine all these things in one package. And I've just described my wife. Claire, is, um, she's got a PhD, she's a historian, a dress historian, she's a uh, certified nutritional therapist, she's got a scientific brain, she's a healer, she's also gifted in charismatic activation and prayer and prophecy and she's a bible teacher and she's all these things and so i would beginning of my 10th theology career i would basically find ways to kind of drag claire along and if you probably know how if you've ever been a married couple or a couple trying to have two careers working at the same time it doesn't always work so was, claire has her own thing she's her own she's got her own business and I had my own business, and I was, we were trying to make it work, and I was trying to pull her along to do kind of what I was asking her to do. And I'll be honest, it didn't really work that well. And eventually Claire said, look, I just want to come and do tent theologies if it's a subject I love and if it's people I love. So Claire is going to come and speak to you. 
Elizabeth. Hello. Hi, everybody. Uh, just to clarify, um, I love to see Jesus pe heal people, but I'm not like a, a healer, if that makes sense. <laughs> Jesus, he's, he's the one. I just love praying and then seeing him do his stuff. That's great. Uh, so this is going to be so fun. Just to encourage you, I'm not going to give this sermon in tongues. <laughs> um, we're all going to have fun. Quick show of hands. Who does not speak in tongues? Brilliant. And who does speak in tongues? It's just like last service. It's literally like half and half. Brilliant. So we're, we're fair. We're equal. <laughs> Great. Um, so I wanted to um, encourage you that whether you do speak in tongues or you don't speak in tongues, whether you feel favorably towards speaking in tongues or maybe you're unsure about it, that there is something here to encourage you today. Um, so the other day, uh, I was given a car, which is really exciting. Even more exciting, I, I, I only passed my driving test earlier this year. So that's a long story, but it's very exciting. So I passed my driving test. We live in the countryside. So for the first time in my life, I'm not, I don't have easy access to public transport because I've mostly lived in cities. And someone gave us a car. And so there it is sitting outside our house. And I just, I can choose whether I climb into the car and use it or not. So when, when it arrived, I was a bit like, oh, I'm a new driver as well, a little bit of nerves. And, and I was just struck by how workmanlike it was. Just, if I want to use this car and enjoy this car, if I want to receive this gift of a car, I have to just literally climb in, turn the ignition, get in gear and get going. And I wanted to encourage you that um, each of us has the option of this gift of tongues. It's not like a special thing for special people. Every, everyone has got a gift of tongues like a car sitting outside waiting for them. And it really is quite a workmanlike thing of just getting in, pushing forward, and trying it out. And some of us have already got the gift of tongues, but it's just that it's like the car sitting outside getting a bit rusty. We're not really using it or engaging with it. So my hope is that those of you who don't speak in tongues will be encouraged to try it out and go, go receive it. And those of you who do speak in tongues will feel more encouraged to use it and more excited and just enjoy it more. So um, the first thing to say is in here. Um, just to describe quickly what is the gift of tongues. In, um, at the end of Mark, Jesus says that the signs of the coming kingdom, of connection with him, will include speaking in tongues, speaking in other languages. And when the Holy Spirit came on the believers in Acts 2, one of the most obvious signs of the presence of the Holy Spirit was the gift of tongues. And that meant people speaking a language that they hadn't learned, but they could suddenly be fluent in. So it was a gift. Suddenly they opened their mouth and this other language came out. And in, that, in Acts 2, people from other countries surrounding the believers were like, oh, that's my language. How on earth did they suddenly learn that? So that was the miraculous thing there. Another thing about the gift of tongues in Acts was when uh, the, uh, the apostle um, 
Peter went to visit Cornelius' house. Now, Cornelius was a, not a believer. He was not a Jew. The, the Jewish people were just getting used to the fact that non-Jews were meeting Jesus and becoming Christians. And, they, and Peter says, wow, these people are becoming, they are definitely receiving the Holy Spirit because they're speaking in tongues and they're praising God. So for, sometimes people worry that when people speak in a language that they don't understand, they might be opening themselves up to something fake or dodgy. But it's, I want to encourage you that the Christian, the Holy Spirit gift of tongues is about praising God with that gift of tongues. So in theory, you could do anything in a fake or dodgy way. But we do all that we do to the praise and glory of God. So we can trust that if the gift of tongues is a gift of the Holy Spirit, as I'll talk about in a second, then it'll help us to praise and honor God. Um, another aspect of the gift of tongues is something that um, Paul describes in 1 Corinthians 14. So I'm trying to get more like into my paper Bible again. So hence the... Um, so in 1 Corinthians 14, um, Paul is discussing the gift of prophecy and the gift of tongues. And he is assuming that most people will not understand the gift of tongues. So unlike that Acts 2 moment, he's assuming that everybody in the church, if they hear somebody speaking in tongues, they wouldn't be able to understand it. So either that's a language from a part of the world that no one is from in that room, or it's like a heavenly language that we don't understand. So in, that past, in 1 Corinthians 14, Paul is saying, in a church setting, when somebody's speaking from the front like this, then maybe don't use speaking in tongues because no one's going to understand you. Um, although there are often stories of people who speak in tongues and somebody, you know, somebody's like, oh yeah, I understood that because you were speaking Russian, you didn't know. <laughs> That's another story. Um, but in a church setting, if I was speaking from the front, I wouldn't speak in tongues. I would choose to prophesy instead. So Paul says that prophecy is when somebody speaks for your encouragement, strengthening, and comfort. And that when you... Um, and the, th the great thing about prophecy is that everyone understands it and everyone's edified. And then he says in church, don't speak from the front in tongues because people won't get you, but speak quietly to yourself and to God. So it is okay to speak in tongues within a church setting, but just in that sort of quieter way, not in a speaking to everyone kind of way. Does that make sense? So the gift of tongues is also something we get to use in our own private prayer life. And Paul says that it's about um, thanking God, praising God in our spirits, and edifying yourself. You speak to yourself and to God. So it's a bit like prophesying to yourself. So we know that a word of prophecy that somebody speaks from the front, like Jerry is not going to share a word of prophecy that's a condemning. If someone comes and gives him a word and it's like, you're all doomed, He's, that's not prophecy because it's not for our strengthening, encouraging, and comfort. So we know that the gift of tongues, when it's translated in front of people, like say somebody came up and said, I think I've got a few phrases in tongues to share. Then 
Jerry would probably say, that's great, but we need to find someone to translate it, to interpret it, so that everyone can get it. So the cool thing about that is that prophecy and tongues are kind of related. Prophecy is already in a language everyone understands. Tongues, when in public, it's, like a, it's just like a two-step prophecy. Oh, no one understands it, and then if someone receives an interpretation, everyone gets it. I'm going on a bit here, but what I'm trying to say is, we know that the gift of tongues is always going to be encouraging, strengthening, and comforting. So when we speak in the gift of tongues, that's what's happening to us. We are, the Lord is encouraging us, strengthening us, and comforting us. He's edifying us. And, what's, and we know that because whenever someone has an interpretation, it'll be an encouragement for the church. So why would we use this gift of tongues when we don't understand what it is that we're saying? And I think sometimes we need an encouragement that it's okay, that something's still meaningful, even if we don't understand every concept behind it. And there's a very useful book that anyone who's interested might look up by a chap called James K.A. Smith, who's an academic, who's also a charismatic believer. It's called Thinking in Tongues. And at the end of that book, he, he has a little reflection on the gift of tongues. And he comments that, uh, he comments that linguistic scholars have observed something about normal language that can help us understand the gift of tongues. So, there's a theory called speech act theory, which is based on the writing of a chap called Wittgenstein. Who, and they suddenly, they started to realize, wait a second, speaking to people and communication is not about conveying one precise concept to somebody else in a really detached way. Knowing exactly what a word means doesn't always, isn't always the most important thing. And so one example would be if a mother is comforting her child perhaps soothing it to sleep, she might use a lullaby or a nursery rhyme or say words that don't mean very much. The, the, the child doesn't need to know bar, bar, black sheep. It's not like that. It's not the point. The point is the mother is soothing and comforting her child. The point is not exactly what's said, but what is being done by what is said. And so if you went up to that mother and said, what are you doing? You're speaking gobbledygook to your child. Why are you calling your child silly names or whatever it is? And she will not say, oh, I haven't a clue what I'm doing. Or I am saying meaningless words to my child. <laughs> she will say, I am comforting my child and soothing my child so that she will go to sleep. And in the same way, like Paul assures us that, um, that tongues are for edifying ourselves that tongues are to help us praise God and thank God. So we, don't, we may not know the exact words that we say, but we know that they are praising, they're thanking, they're edifying. So it's, so it's much more a question of what we're doing. We know that we're engaged in the gift of the Holy Spirit that we couldn't manufacture ourselves, that is encouraging us and building us up. And something else that I felt was in this vein was encouraging was just that when we speak in tongues we're speaking in a language that we don't understand perhaps perhaps you're by yourself in your bedroom praying and but you know that when you open your mouth and speak in tongues it will be good you're not reaching for that perfect prayer 
you're not thinking, how do I pray about this situation? Or you can break through difficult prayer times when you're bored of prayer, when it's difficult to connect with the Lord. All those, little, all those awkward moments, you know that when you open your mouth and speak in tongues, that you are, you are being edified and you're speaking to God and yourself. This is what Paul says, you're speaking to God and yourself. And, and I just recommend it so much. You can find yourself speaking in tongues for a period and then suddenly you find yourself able, you know what to pray for in English or whatever language it is you speak. And in 1 Corinthians 14, Paul says, um, if I pray in a tongue, my spirit prays, but my mind is unfruitful. What shall I do? I will pray with my spirit, but I will also pray with my mind. I will sing with my spirit, but I will also sing with my mind. So I feel there's an encouragement there that we might not always understand what we're saying when we, when we speak in tongues. And therefore, we, it's good to speak in our own language too. We aren't only ever going to pray in tongues, we're going to pray in our own language too. But there's actually a benefit to having your mind unfruitful. There's a benefit. Think about the times when you're in a really stressful situation and you can't actually formulate a prayer. All you can do, all those moments of high stress, when all you can do is pray in tongues. And, I think, and I, it's such an incredible gift to be able to pray when at that moment you couldn't formulate anything. You can immediately pray in tongues. And the other thing is when you're, when you're in the middle of prayer, Sometimes you can listen to the Lord while you're praying in tongues. You can hear from him. Your imagination can receive true, helpful pictures from the Lord that will help you to pray. So sometimes I find I'll pray in tongues for a bit, and I feel like the Lord's shown me a picture, and then that helps me to pray in English again. And then maybe I'll pray in tongues a bit more. So, that, so it's just helpful. And I think this is the joy about a pre like any present, a gift, of tongues, it's a good gift. It's designed to help us. And because the Holy Spirit is amazing, it's, it's an amazing gift. Um, I think I wanted to, I wanted to mention as well that um, when, we're, when we're speaking in tongues, it's the one time when our mouth is free and we know that what comes out of our mouth is going to be good. So Jesus said um, in Mark 7, yeah, that, um, that it's not so much what goes into our mouth that makes us sinful, but what comes out of us, what the actions are words that come out of us. And in James, in the book of James, chapter 3, James warns us about how we use our, our mouth, how we speak. And he says the tongue is like a little rudder on a gigantic ship. It's so small, but it can make such a big impact. And he's a bit, he, he says, you know, watch out. The tongue is pretty dangerous. You've got to tame it. And we all know that bad words can really make terrible things happen. Bad gossip, so on. And we also know how often we say the wrong thing or we say things we don't mean. And the amazing thing about the gift of tongues is it's the one time we get to open our mouth and we know it will be good because it's a gift from God, and it will, be gift. it will be a gift from heaven. It will be excellent. And so it's, like, it's such a help. And I find it especially if I'm praying for somebody, 
and I don't quite know what to pray. Say they're right there, just to pray quietly, not so that it's distracting, and, but just to pray quietly under my breath in tongues until I know what to pray out loud in English. And I just think, what, what is t- what's tongues showing us? When we pray in tongues, we're demonstrating that we're dependent on God. We're demonstrating that we're reliant on heaven. We're demonstrating that the Lord, the, the, like, the Lord Almighty is involved in our everyday life. This writer, James K. Smith, said he had a lovely phrase that the gift of tongues is the foreign speech of a coming kingdom. Such a lovely phrase, a foreign speech of a coming kingdom. And that, that freedom we have as we open our mouths and everything that comes out is good and helpful is such a picture of what it's going to be like in the new creation with the Lord. We're not going to have that inhibition anymore. I think the last thing I wanted to do was to share a testimony um, uh, about how I received the gift of tongues. So I came from, I grew up as a Christian with lovely Christian parents, and my church was excellent at teaching the Bible. So I knew a lot about the Bible by the time I was 10 years old. And, uh, but what I didn't know was much about the gifts of the Holy Spirit. And I went to a, a Bible study sort of Christian camp when I was about 14 or 15. And at this camp, they said, would anyone like to receive the gift of tongues? And I thought, it's totally in the Bible. It must be fine. Like, it's probably going to help me. So two people prayed for me, and they just prayed in tongues. And I just... They just said, look, open your mouth and just let the first words come out of your mouth. And if you want to, you could even just imitate what you hear us praying for a bit. Just imitate that until the gift flows for yourself. It's like, fine, totally weird. (laughs) I gave it a try. And then, weirdly, I just opened my mouth, sort of allowed sounds to come out of it. And then gradually, I just found myself able to flow in this. So it was a bit like turning a tap and then the flow comes kind of thing. It's a bit awkward at the beginning, a rusty old tap, but then the flow comes. Um, and so I came back home to my parents and they said, they're Christians, um, but not, uh, yes. And so, and they said, um, and they said, how is your, how is your time? And I, and I was thinking, how do I explain this? Because what had happened was I'd been speaking in tongues And while I had been speaking in tongues, I saw an image in my mind's eye of a beautiful white dove just uh, flying gently like this, just soaring on the currents. And I saw this dove had gold on its wings. It was one of the first um, pictures that the Lord gave me as a vision of something that he was doing. And I sensed, even then, that he was showing me what the Holy Spirit looked like. It was like... This is the Holy Spirit. He's so free and so beautiful. And your spirit is joined to the Holy Spirit. And you're, you've got this freedom too. That's how it felt to me. So I was trying to explain. How do I say this to my mother? <laughs> and I, she was cooking in the kitchen. The family Bible was on the side somewhere in the kitchen. And I was thinking, how do I explain this? So I opened my Bible. And I just, in, I don't recommend this as a normal Bible study approach. But I just was like, <laughs> just opened it like that. And I came across, just then, Psalm 68, verse 13, which says, The wings of my dove 
are sheathed with silver, its feathers with shining gold. <laughs> so I was like really surprised. I've never read that verse before. It just arrived when I opened the Bible by accident kind of thing. And I felt as though the Lord was encouraging me. Don't worry. It's a bit funny to speak in tongues, but it's, it's there. And what you saw was, it's true. Um, and in, this, in that passage, the dove represents Israel. It's like something like the object of God's affection. And so I was just so encouraged that when we're asking for the gift of tongues, we're asking for something that's biblical, something that's for us, something where the Lord wants to help us to pray. He wants to bless our prayer lives. He wants to help us to worship him. He loves to make it sweeter for us, to make it easier for us. And I think this is one of the big ways that he does it. Um, yeah, and I'd, one last encouragement, just sometimes it's workmanlike to, to begin speaking in tongues. That's okay. It's absolutely fine to have a bit of workmanlike moment. Um, and the other thing is, that if you already have the gift of tongues, I encourage you to use it even more, to allow the Lord to help you even more. Because Jesus didn't die for us to have an okay life with him. He died to give us life in all its fullness. So why not? Thank you. I think the music is going to come up. Yep. Um, Claire mentioned workmanlike, which which was uh, my experience for sure when uh, I was in my early twenties and um, was kind of on a Christian camp, and um, and and they said, "Oh, do you, if you want the gift of tongues, you know, come and come and pray with us." And so me and about six other people were lined up, and the woman just kind of moved down the line and prayed for each of us, and and um. She just said, you know, just start, the Lord will just put uh, sounds into your head and just, just start saying them. And I wasn't in a trance and I wasn't overcome by, you know, emotion. It was a brightly lit room, silence, and it was just us just pushing through, turning that key in the car and pushing through and workmanlike. And I just started to say the words and then, it, and, and, and yes, now I pray in tongues all the time now and. I didn't have the advantage of having Luke and the musicians behind me in that room. So what we're going to do is um, the band is going to uh, play. He's going to start a chorus. But then, you know, the time will naturally flow into people with, we're going to sing in tongues and praise the Lord in tongues. And those of us without tongues, because it's a good time to practice because nobody is watching or listening to you. And those of us who don't want to say anything can just quietly listen. No, this is not a performance. Nobody's watching. Nobody's expecting anything. We're just going to join together in using these gifts. So please can everyone stand. And I'm not going to invite the Holy Spirit into the room because the Holy Spirit has been present since the beginning of the creation of the world. But what I am going to say is, Holy Spirit, we acknowledge presence with us you are welcome here Lord Jesus fill us with praise for you give us language to praise you in spirit and in truth 